everybody to Way of the Blade podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the Greatest Bloody Matches in Professional Wrestling History. I am joined today by my friend, uh, Chris Zellner, uh, podcast host, wrestling historian, uh, co-owner of a multimedia empire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we are here to discuss a match that is very close to his heart. Being uh, a son of the great state of Georgia, we are talking about the last battle of Atlanta. Buzz Sawyer versus Tommy Rich from October 23rd, 1983. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great. Doing great, Phil. And uh, glad to be a part of this uh, podcast series. Uh, you've had some great guests on, and I am hope that uh, I can uh, you know, do you proud on this show. Yeah. So this, uh, I'm sure you will, my friend. I'm glad to have you. Uh, You know, you're certainly somebody who's recorded more hours of podcasting than you're like the Mark Maron. Uh, We probably probably recorded more than Mark Maron at this point, the length of your show. It's like, so so I'm here with a true professional. Uh, And we're talking about the last battle of Atlanta. Um, And I know you're a guy who, you're from Georgia, you're Mm -hmm. attended a ton of Omni shows in your life. You. 83 is a little young, though, right? When did you start yeah. going to the Omni? The, yeah, the first show that I remember going to was uh, February 1984. Okay. And that was uh, Ted DiBiase and Jack Briscoe's the main event of that show, if I remember correctly. I'm checking right now. That might have been okay. Was that okay? I mean, you obviously don't probably Well, I don't... I mean, I only thing I remember... <laughs> I remember that... I was there. I don't remember. Yeah, Ted DiBiase, Jeff Briscoe is the main event. Yeah, February 5th, 84. So I was not even five, but I remember going. The first Omni show I really have memories of, though, is in 84. And that was a, a WWF show. Uh, Hogan and, and Stud in the main event. Uh, I remember that one. That probably wasn't as good as Jack Briscoe. Uh, probably not. <laughs> like probably not. But, you know, 85, 86, you know. When you start getting older, you know, that that memory comes in there. But Buzz Sawyer is the very first wrestling memory I ever had. Okay, uh, let me hear that. Yeah. I remember uh, my aunt, my great aunt, actually, lived in um, southwest Atlanta at the time. And um, if actually, them, uh, I mean, Stewart Avenue, which would become International Boulevard, which home of all the uh, strip clubs in downtown Atlanta eventually, but not back then. Back then, it was, you know, you know, the people have been there for many, many years. You know, we're still living there, you know, and it's for the, for that whole thing started. But um, we, we would go to their house on occasions just to visit and stuff, and they were huge wrestling fans. My, my mom's family was huge wrestling fans. Uh, her mom was not as big but her sisters were huge they would and her mother my uh great grandmother they would get thrown out of the buildings <laughs> in uh in griffin georgia and in thomaston georgia for throwing ice at the heels they uh my <laughs> great my great grandmother had like a running beef with freddie blassie and uh yeah I mean, they, so they were huge in the wrestling so i went up there we just a visit, and they were watching World Championship Wrestling one night. It's on a Saturday, of course, and I remember just being there, sitting there watching the TV, and Buzz Sawyer 
would they would put the camera like right in his face sometimes when he's going in this like serious ranting he would do as a heel. And I remember being scared to death of this man because he's shouting and just looking menacing and all that stuff. And I just remember being scared to death. I don't remember if I cried in particular, but I remember being scared to death of this, this man. And yeah, that's like the very first memory I have of wrestling is of Buzz Sawyer from around this era. And you know, the thing about Sawyer is he had, I mean, a really unique intensity. There aren't a lot of wrestlers I can think of with that same sort of like... I mean, Mad Dog was such a perfect nickname for him because he really did have that feeling of a guy who is let off his leash. Well, the thing is, it's true to life. I mean, that's Buzz Sawyer. I mean, when you, 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 heard, you heard the stories later on about how he was and his attitude, I mean, that's him. And it wasn't always that way. I mean, he grew into that even in... It, on television, when you watch him when he first comes to Georgia as a heel in 81, he had been in Georgia's babyface in 79. He was an undercar babyface. Actually teamed up with Bret Hart for a little bit there when Bret was there. And he comes back in 81. He's been in Florida as a heel. That's his first big heel run as a singles guy. And he comes to Georgia and he's kind of subdued. You know, he's He's they they don't really play into the mad dog thing, but as time goes on, he becomes that mad dog persona. And that's coincides also with the time where he's starting to feud with Tommy Rich. Because Tommy Rich, of course, you know, the golden boy, Wildfire Tommy Rich, the number one baby face in the territory. Um, at this point in time, he's the national heavyweight champion, so he's the, the main guy. And he and Buzz start feuding over that national heavyweight title. And this is what the beginning of the feud. So the, the last battle of Atlanta is basically a culmination of almost two years that these two guys had been feuding back and forth, not continuously, but it was something that they always could go to when they know they needed to do something with both of them. Well, let's put them together again. We know that'll work. And that's the way it was. So almost two years worth of stuff, you know, all culminates to the Omni that night. And so what were some of the angles that they ran setting this feud up and, and during it? Obviously I mean, you said it lasted two years, but. Yeah, but, but Buzz, all right. So Buzz was all the, back in these days, like the heels were all like friends. They would all be aligned up together. So, at that time, Roddy Piper is is new in the territory as the uh, announcer with Gordon Soley. And the more and more he gets heelish, that's Buzz gets heelish, and Ole's already there. So you have this triumvirate of Buzz Sawyer, Roddy Piper, and Ole Anderson feeding around the baby faces. And, of course, you got Mass Superstar, Super Destroyer, and uh, various other guys. Kevin Sullivan was Buzz's tag team partner at one point in time in that era. This is uh, muscle-bound Kevin Sullivan, not Satan worshiping than Kevin Sullivan. And, I mean, so you got these he- in the babyface are Tommy Rich and the Armstrongs and Bad Bad Leroy Brown and, you know, whoever else is around, Tino Santana's around, Paul Orndorff's around at various points in time. Um, you know, it's just different guys. And But Tommy and Buzz... We're always part of this whole thing together. Um, 
There's the 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 angles on TV where I mean, and Ric Flair would be involved in it too, and they would they would have a match. I know there was there's one TV match from early '82 where uh, Ric Flair is on commentary and he's egging it on and all this other stuff, and they get into a big brawl there. And there's thing where where Tommy uh, buzzes in a match and um, Tommy gets. Um, he runs out in the street clothes and gets involved and Buzz and Piper break his hand. That's in like May 82. And, um, they had the real famous one. The most famous probably of them all was a video that they showed many times on George Championship wrestling where they got into this wild brawl in Chattanooga, uh, in Chattanooga Memorial auditorium where the brawl started in the locker room. They had the cameras there, and they were telling the story that these guys, they, they saw each other in, in the locker room or the parking lot, and they just started fighting. So here they come out on the stage. This is you know, back in the days where these buildings, they had stages as well. You have concerts. So they come out on the stage as the show is going on, and you see the house lights go up, and here they are just beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. While a match is going on in the ring, I mean, this is something that you just didn't see, and th- and the this was filmed on you know film, not videotape as well. So we're still in that era where they're still using film, <laughs> the film stuff at at uh, house shows and stuff like you know the Omni shows and and that, and that's like the famous one. They showed that a lot uh, to to play up the feud, but yeah, it just played up into different things, you know. Um, Tommy was involved as a, you know, um, not the main player, but Buzz getting his head shaved. Butch Reed beat Buzz to get his head shaved, but Tommy was in, was involved in that whole deal as well in, in New Year's 83. Um, just all kinds of different things. They, they were always, they're somehow always around each other. But in the summer of 83, everything started picking back up again. Um, Tommy had been in a feud with... Um, while Bill Irwin, which went nowhere business-wise, and it just got to the point where Buzz had been in the feud with Dick Murdoch. Murdoch's gone. Uh, Rich, the Rich feud with Irwin. God, I imagine those Buzz Sawyer Dick Murdoch matches must have been incredible. I don't think we have any of that on tape, but holy hell! Yeah, we got uh, we got brawling between them. That's about uh, it. But no, no match, match, you know. Um, but so that happened, and then you got. I mean, so these two guys are, are left without feud. So here we go. Let's look them up again. And there's one famous, you know, brawl where Tommy Rich is. Uh, he's in street clothes. And him and Buzz get in it in in the ring, and Tommy's wearing like a. Back in those days, they had like jersey shirts for the NFL teams. And Tommy's wearing a Los Angeles Rams uh, Jack Yumbler jersey shirt and, bra- and brawling with Buzz Sawyer in, 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 in uh, the studios. And uh, I can't remember if he got juice or what in that, in that whole deal. I'm sure he did because it was a white shirt. And, and it's Tommy Rich. Yeah, and it's Tommy Rich, too. <laughs> but it's also television. You didn't, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of that on Turner TV at that time. But, um, yeah, I mean, so it's just a lot of, of, of wild stuff, but not – not no like definitive angle. It's all a bunch of little stuff that built up to the stuff. You know, that this is it's just a culmination of a lot of things instead of one big thing 
that was the catalyst. It was just a lot of things that a lot of little things that played into and and this is also in the era of of wrestling where promos were the big thing. So the promos were telling the story more than just some type of physical angle. These guys are cutting promos in each other all the time. So that's doing the work, not the physical angles. So, um, so they built to this match, and this was billed as the last time these two would wrestle each other, right? Wasn't that the idea that we were ending the feud forever? Yes. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, the time has come. These two guys are going to kill each other if they don't do it. And th- there's, you know, underlying reasons why. Um, Brett Wayne had come into the territory uh, months earlier. It was never acknowledged that Buzz and Brett were really brothers, not on not on television. So they eventually did acknowledge it towards around this time. And you knew something. If you watch it and know now, you knew something was up. If now they're starting to acknowledge these guys are brothers, something's up here. We're going to have a turn eventually. So they got to blow this feud off. So they could do the babyface turn for Buzz Sawyer, which he he hadn't been a babyface in Georgia since 1979. It, you know, it's a fresh deal, so it's a new dynamic with him and his brother. So we're gonna do that. So and Tommy, you know, you got a new Booker as well at this point in time. Jake Snake Roberts is now booking George uh, George Championship Wrestling. So Jake is wanting to do his things and and do his angles. So when you have you have a booking change, you got these new plans. So it was, you know, the melting pot for why this was going to be their last battle but in battle. Atlanta. Although they ran, uh, they wrestled. I'm looking at a cage match here. Wrestled three times after that, like w- like the next yes. week in a dog collar match in Tallahassee, a steel cage match in West Virginia, and a steel cage match in Altoona. I wonder, do we know whether those steel cage matches were last Battle of Atlanta-style steel cage matches or regular steel cage matches? Uh, regular steel so. cage matches. Yeah, because the 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 other stiff that was involved, which we'll talk about, uh, that was only at the arm. But, uh, yeah, I'm going through my results right now. Um, yeah, they had the dog collar match at Tallahassee. Only 1,300 fans. Uh, then they wrestled um, in Battle Creek, Michigan on the 30th. Oh, it drew 750. They had a street fight in Athens, Ohio on November the 1st. They then went to Altoona and had a no time limit steel cage match there. And um, let's see, there's even more after that. Yeah, that's the last one because Buzz is babyface the, uh, three days later in Columbus, Georgia, teaming with Dusty. And, and, and then they team, actually team, the, team up, uh, I guess, Thanksgiving night, right? Against the Road Warriors? In 83, um, you know, after this, Rich and Sawyer team up against the Road Warriors, which is a, sh- a show that I, we yeah. know that they have on, that we know got taped and we know is sitting in the uh, WWE uh, closet because they put a they aired a like a Magnum TA Randy Savage tag from that tag tournament like on during a Randy Savage focus when they were still doing hidden gems so we know that the 
Sawyer Rich tag team against the Road Warriors uh, is on tape and does exist and is is uh, lost in the catacombs, unfortunately. Yeah, so, and, and that was a thing where, you know, the Road Warriors were running roughshod over everybody. So who's the tag team that you're going to put together to uh, to try to t- knock them off? Well, let's put Bustler and Tommy Rich as a tag team. You know, they've been feuding with each other forever, and uh, they beat them. It wasn't a national tag title match, but they beat. And then we've got a. And then so. weirdly, I'm looking at cage match here. You had in '89 an Eddie Gilbert Tommy Rich against Buzz Sawyer Dragon Master match, which I guess was a T. It said TV taping. I don't remember ever seeing that match. Yeah, but Buzz. I mean, that's right. when Buzz went back. Buzz went in '89. Uh, they uh, Turner hired him because he, you know, he was a guy that was on. TBS, famous for TBS, and they brought him back, and he had, you know, he had a short run, and he had Singh Rich and uh, Tam Master Time Rich, so they renewed the feud, you know, right, so the six years later. So the actual last battle of Atlanta was in 1990 at Center Stage. <laughs> the actual last, it was an eight-minute uh, World Championship Wrestling TV match at Center Stage in 1990 was the actual... You can go home again. Was your actual last battle of Atlanta? But you know what? And here's the thing: if Buzz hadn't uh, died, let's just say that, because there's you know conflicting stories on that one. If if he hadn't died, not that he died, but how he died. If he hadn't died in '92, I mean, really, don't you think that him and Tommy Rich would have been working Georgia Indies in the oh, mid sure. to late nineties, you know. It's, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, he was so young, right? I mean he was thirty two when, when he died. He's thirty two. Right? He wouldn't even he, if, if Buzz 30. Sawyer was at NXT right now, he'd be like the youngest person in NXT. <laughs> uh, the old one point oh, right? Yeah, the new, new NXT is a lot of young people. With old NXT, Buzz Sawyer would be still five years away of being, from being old enough to main event. Uh, NXT. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you think about it. I mean, the last battle of Atlanta, he's 24 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. He's 24, and, and Rich isn't that much older. Rich would have been uh, 27. Yeah. So, I mean, these are still young but guys. It's I mean, Carl, this was the... They live yeah, because this was the, probably the peak of both of their careers, right? I mean, uh, it, or, or, or maybe you could say the peak is Rich winning the NWA title, but I think it was kind of all downhill from here. Rich obviously wrestled a really long time, and it's, I think, probably still wrestling somewhere. Still wrestles today, yes. yes. Um, but never really had, you know, this was the apex, your Tommy Rich apex, um, right? Well, this is, this is, yeah, this is the, this is basically. <laughs> Yeah, this is basically the last of it. I mean, he did the Ted DiBiase stuff right after this with the whole Mr. R angle. and th- But that's the last big thing nationally that Tommy did. And he had the yes. Memphis, you know, the part, he was part of the, the team with Austin Idol in Memphis. That was sort of a yeah. big deal. Um, but it wasn't national television, right. you know? So And Buzz, and Buzz, you know, Buzz turns babyface. And he, you know, he he, leave, he leaves Georgia, bounces around, goes to WF for a little bit, and he just bounces around after that. So he's never on that stature again as he is right here at this time. And you would have imagined would have gotten back there at some point, right? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously there's there was issues with Buzz. Buzz Sawyer. had so many problems. I mean, 
<clears throat> substance abuse, both him and Rich. I mean, that's one of the things that derailed them in a lot of ways. It's, I mean, this era, Tommy Rich. I mean, he's not in bad shape in this match. Although he, you know, he got in better shape. But like uh, months early in '83, he wouldn't be on TV without a shirt. He got so big. Yeah, and he was I mean, obviously a, you know, a, a blowjob baby face. I mean, I, I did that pun, pun not intended. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, like that was his thing, right? He was the, a pretty boy and was not pretty for much longer past this, right? I wouldn't say that you would say Tommy Rich was a pretty boy in '87 in Memphis. Uh, no, no, no. Those, those days had passed, and and you know, to his credit, though, you know, he did get in great shape in 1990. In the NWA, I mean, he got in the best shape of his career in 1990 NWA. But here, he his he's got the full sheepdog hair, and you know he's got the little gut going, and it's yeah, he's not what he was in '81 and early '82 by no means. So, yeah. And so this match, I think you know one of the interesting things about almost. More interesting as a legend than a match. I think it's a it's a very good match, but I don't think it's like it existed in in this as. A... Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, this is a match that was always talked about in mythical proportions because of the after magazines and the photos that they took that was in the magazines. And there's that one cover where both men are just fucking covered in blood. And you have this thought of, my God, I mean, I, o- I can only imagine what this was like. And nobody ever thought that we would ever see this match. So then, you know, when WB Network talked about putting the match up, I mean, there was a huge groundswell of people online that was like, oh, my God, you know. But I remember, thinking, that, see this match. I remember thinking when it happened, I was like, well, it's got, this has got to be like clips. Or you know what I mean? Like I, I had no didn't because you'd always heard. I mean, me and you were old or old school digging in the crates tape trader guys, but and you'd always yeah. heard about this in legend. And, and you know the idea was it was never taped and there was no footage because they didn't show any footage on TV, right? It wasn't like we had three minutes thing, of the last battle of Atlanta or anything. We had nothing. No, no, never shown. But but the thing is, though, was I, you know if you watched George Champion Wrestling, you knew they recorded the Omni shows. Because they would show clips on the television, and they were recording them professionally at this time. No more film. So they're pro- recording them professionally. So you knew that this was more than likely it was recorded, but here's the thing. I mean, the 83 is the beginning of what we have of Georgia that is still there. Now, before a certain point in 83, all the tapes were thrown away. Of the masters at, I mean, Ole got rid of them. They were thrown away, burned, whatever. Um, there's always been rumors that Fred Ward's son-in-law ha- has their their versions of it, the Columbus versions of the TV and stuff like that. I mean, we don't know what's true and what's not. But what we do know is that the TBS versions are no longer available. That's why if you ever see anything pre-83 on a WWE production it's stuff they pulled off YouTube so th- that's, there's that and again, again they were recording Omni shows because they're showing clips on television so you knew that it was probably there 
but you never but you were thinking okay how in the hell is this ever going to be shown who's going to be the one to to dig this out and find it and then the story goes that it, it got found because somebody just saw a thing that said omni film or whatever and put it in there and saw that was it it wasn't even labeled <laughs> like with the date or anything it was like miscellaneous omni footage or whatever and they found it that way so what a way to find it so yeah i mean it got everybody pumped up because it was one of these things that all the old heads would talk talk about you know about oh, my, my god the time of rich bus sorry feud last battle of atlanta if the match hadn't had that name it probably wouldn't have been as big as it was in, in people's minds. But when you name something like that, that gives it that gravitas that other matches don't have. Right, and, it was, and it was the cage. I mean, the, the, for people that don't know, everybody should go watch this match. But uh, it's on YouTube and it's not hard to find. Uh, this was the roofed cage. The Hell in the Cell style roofed cage. And when Hell in the Cell kind of, uh, they started doing it, they would reference the last battle with land as an inspiration for the design and everything. Yeah, Paul Ellering in the cage above the cage on the, on the corner. Right. He's in he's in like the Betty Lou style, uh, Dusty Rose Betty Lou cage hanging above the the big cage. So yeah, you had a top on the on the the regular cage, which you know, who knows if that was the first one or not? I don't know. It's the first one I know of, but. I mean, so that that added an extra to part of it too, because it was never done again that we know of until the first War Games at the Omni right. on July Fourth, eighty-seven. Right, and they, they so, don't yeah. do anything with the roof; like it doesn't actually matter in the sense of looks kind of cool. But it's not like they do spots or anything around the roofed cage. Um, and like I don't, and it, it looks, and it's just like it's just like it's just like chicken wire. Like I don't think you, you couldn't stand on it. I don't think. Oh no! <laughs> like, no, no, you know, no, no, no! It's like you couldn't do any, uh, and I don't even you could hang from it. I mean, it's just it just was kind of there. Um, well, they weren't going to do that anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, those two guys. I mean, they're not known for, for their uh, high flying. Buzz Sawyer, had, you know, one of the the great uh, super well, fly yeah, slashes. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, you're right. I mean, I, I, I wasn't thinking about the top rope, the top rope splash by Buzz. You're right. That for, for the day. Yeah, that was as big of a high spot you're going to get off the top row. You're right. I forgot about that. But Tommy Rich wasn't going to do nothing no. like that. Put that way. Yeah, like a, didn't he have like a flying four kind of? <laughs> he did like an el elbow, <laughs> like, like a Bret Hart type elbow drop off the, the middle rope or some shit like that, or a fist. He, did, he, he had his own version of Lawler's fist drop or you know shit like that. But, but yeah, I mean, and... The cage was the normal cage with the top on it. So, yeah, it just gave it a different, you know, feel to your normal cage matches. And and the whole last Battle of Atlanta thing. Which, again, they they never really played that up on television. That like that. I mean, it, it, it was mentioned, but it wasn't, oh, you got to come see the last Battle of Atlanta. It was mainly about, all right, these are the last time these two are going to face off. Now, Buzz wore a, they had shirts made. And Buzz wore a shirt. I can't remember. I, I know he wore it after it. I don't know if he wore it before. But he, there was a Last Battle of Atlanta shirt. It was a red shirt and Last Battle of Atlanta in yellow colors. Kind of like Haw Atlanta Hawks colors at the time. I do know that is this. There's shirts that were made. So, 
Other than that, I don't know anything else per se. Anything else but got that. So, so the the step on this match is if uh, Tommy Rich wins, Ole gets five minutes with Paul Ellering. That was something I didn't remember when reading about this match and hearing about it as a legend. I don't remember. And there was an Ole Anderson Paul Ellering match too. But there were- and, and that. And that feud been brewing for months too, because Paul Ellering turned Arn Anderson against Ole, you know, and, and that that was the whole big thing there when Arn Anderson and Matt Bourne were a tag team, and he had turned Arn against Ole, and that was the impetus for Ole's babyface turn oh. in 1983 in the spring Ole's of always such a weird babyface. <laughs> yeah, at the time he was just mainly in the, you know doing his announcing with with solely. He wasn't really wrestling, so it, I mean, he's doing the announcing stuff and Arn's there. And of course, Matt Bourne gets fired for uh, his legal issues, which we won't go into on the show. And of course, that spawns the Road Warriors. Yeah, that's how the Road Warriors are born because Matt Bourne got fired because of his legal issues, and see, because Arn and Matt Bourne were supposed to be the push team. They were going to be the Road Warriors push. Imagine how different wrestling is if Matt Bourne doesn't get locked up. So, oh wow, yeah, I didn't know that's yeah. So that's how the because Ole's like he tells Eddie Sharkey, who he's been you know friends with, and Eddie Sharkey helped train him. So he's like, who do you have that I can use on you know I need I need two guys, and he hooked up. Well, Animal had already been there, so like well you, you know you got Joe. Okay, I'll bring Joe back. And I got this guy, Mike Hegstrand. Um, he works as a fake Russian in uh, Vancouver. So they called him up, they brought him in, and then the rest is history there. So that's how that, that whole thing started. And, and Ellering managed the Road Warriors, of course. So Ole and Ellering had been battling it out, you know, in promos for months. And this is, you know, that whole thing, too. And, you know, one of the... It's not, not really the blow-off, because they, they have little issues after this, but... It's kind of like a blow-off of their feud as well, in that way. The Ole Ellering part of this match is really good. Uh, I don't know if it was better than Tommy Rich, but, swear, but it was, like, of a piece in a lot of ways. Like, the intensity of it. Ole has such great-looking punches, and, you know, it just kind of really gets after it. I mean, I really... That was kind of the surprise when I remember watching it. I was like, man, it's... Do I like this Ole Ellering section better than the Tommy Rich, but, swear? I was like, I think the biggest issue with the match it's a great it is a great match and rich bleeds at just a tommy rich level of blood is i think the finish fell flat for me well of the last level and just kind of rich kind of just runs him into the cage a couple times and pins yeah him. i mean doesn't it's a different era you know i mean folk, folks i mean the, the, the 80s the early 80s is still that old wrestling style i mean house shows they weren't always going out there and having these long matches. Um, and doing research, you know, on wrestling from the early '80s and even the '70s and stuff like that. The the places that would issue the match times for these shows, you'd be surprised at how short these matches were. You know, what's St. Louis known for as a you know as their history of the wrestling town, right? Wrestling, right? Chain hard, uh, technical wrestling. You know that's that's their reputation. You look at those St. Louis results, and almost every match on those cards, except maybe the main event, would be twenty minutes or less. Sometimes a lot of them less than ten. So you're not getting 
these long epic matches. I think people uh, that that you know became hardcore wrestling fans in the '90s and 2000s, and especially you know that we're, we're on the independent scene where we you saw these you know these long matches and stuff. These guys weren't going out there and having long epic matches all the time. Uh, you know, it just it just wasn't the case because. A lot of these towns, they didn't start their shows until eight thirty. At times on the east, east coast, so these shows would last maybe ninety minutes. Yeah, think about that. In the in the, in the yeah. era where we get independent wrestling shows that go four or five hours. I mean, I, I look. I'm not somebody who's going to complain about. Um, I, I don't think the the length time I didn't have any problem with. It was just I thought it needed. Well, more there were like there a, were a lot of that were complaining about it though. That's the thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, so you I mean you got these shows that I mean ninety minutes to two hours for the full show. I mean that's the way it was. So yeah, I, I, my biggest my biggest thing about this match is it wasn't worked like what you would have thought it was going to be worked at the beginning. I mean that's the always thing you hear about you know in current wrestling. You know, when you have like these big grudge matches and then all of a sudden they start out with a lockup. That's what this was. This started out with a lockup and chain wrestling. <laughs> you got this cage match with a top on it. <laughs> and here we go. We're going to start out with, you know, a side headlock and we're going to do a little grappling on the mat. And it's like it, they started out like that. And then here comes uh, Bud Sawyer's head to the cage. It's like there's you start out slow and then you go 100 to me. Yeah, and I think it ended a little slow. I, I like to point out, Ellering uh, Oli didn't start with chain wrestling. No. They just started beating the shit exactly. out of Exactly, that's the difference, yeah. Uh, Oli come in there in his street clothes, and he started you know, beating Paul Ellering's ass, and Paul starts whip, uh, you know, ripping his clothes and stuff. I guess the thing is, is that that's the difference between Tommy Rich and Oli Anderson as workers, because... Ole Anderson had been a heel his whole career, basically. He'd been babyface here and there. But he he always worked like Ole Anderson. Rough house. You know, Tommy Rich wasn't a rough house worker at this point in time. He was a baby pure white bread babyface worker. So he's gonna work more of a scientific style at the beginning of a match, you know? Um, and Buzz Sawyer, even though Buzz was Buzz, as far as his persona but Buzz was a wrestling prodigy. So he loved working the mat, too. So, yeah, I mean, that's what, what they got. Um, and that, I think, was part of the disappointment by a lot of people. They were expecting this epic match, the last battle of Atlanta. You know, they're expecting this epic, you know, back and forth, give and take, you know, 20, 30-minute, you know, match that's just going to be, you know, highs and lows, all the drama. Like watching the New Japan Okada Tanahashi main event, you know that type of, uh, you know, oh, oh, you know, or Jumbo Tenru or some shit like that, you know, just the ebbs and the flows, and you need to get that. So I, I don't know. I mean, I was comparing. I was thinking about it compared to the other matches of its type in its era, right? It's not Piper Valentine. No, no, right? I mean, that's also eighty three. That's also the same. You know, that's also. uh, you know, the Southeast. Piper and Valentine was a more hardcore feud than Tommy and Buzz. Because yeah. you had you had that angle, the ear. You had the ear right. angle that, that played into that. And Roddy Piper is, is not Tommy Rich, too. 
Roddy Piper is right. that like Ole Anderson type guy. Again, that's where everything falls into place here. Uh, I mean, Tommy Rich was not at that point in time that guy, you know, like a Piper, like a Ole, you know, and then even other matches like, uh, I mean, Final Conflict, Steamboat and Youngblood against Slaughter and Canodal. I mean, that was a longer match, and but that feud had so many angles involved in it and things going on that it was a, just a different thing. It's just like these guys are going in, they're going to have their deal, and then Ellering and, and Ole are going to you know, follow them up. Is Ellering only longer than Rich Sawyer? Uh, yes. That's kind of silly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's funny that you guys have, that that you have your 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 like manager gets the his hands on somebody but, you know like that sort of manager payoff thing that actually lasts longer than the match that sets it up. You we've seen a, it's not that ver- it's not that much longer though. Sure, but usually that's like two minutes long, right? You know, they get your hands on Bobby Heath and you throw him a couple times in the cage. He bleeds a lot, and then you know. This is like a back and forth. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm watching it again. Yeah, but it's only Anderson and Paul Ellering, two guys that are, were wrestlers, you know. And Paul Ellering was in tremendous physical condition, and Ole is still Ole. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's there's time that elapses where Paul is in there tending the buzz, who's you know selling all the stuff, and Ole comes out. So there's that time. So you take that time away. They're, they're very close to the same amount of time, and they have like a, so, the post match angle is not, is the kind of memory hole a little buzz and Tommy right post match angle yeah. it's like is it Jake Roberts uh, and uh, Ellering whipping Ole? Yeah, Jake. Yeah, because Jake's the Booker, so now he's the lead heel. So it really feels a little like a Booker kind of thing. Like, we're going to have this last battle of Atlanta, but Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer are going to disappear, and we're going to actually set up me and Ole Anderson. (laughs) feels almost Helmsley-ish, right? Like, okay, we're having this thing, but we're going to forget all about you guys, uh, and we're going to set up my angle. Well, it's because they're moving on. I mean, Buzz is about to turn. So you got Buzz turning on TV right after this, and Tommy's moving on to DiBiase, who's going to be the well, yeah. Jake's Jake's not really the lead heel; he's the Booker, but he's number two. DiBiase's the lead heel. So you got you got Richard DiBiase about to start up their blood feud, and Buzz is about to turn babyface, team up with his brother and feud with the Road Warriors. So I understand why you kind of you know get them out of the way. Because they're 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 over with now. That's done. This that was it. It's final. You know. So so before this match happened, Chris, would you have said that this was your number one uh, match you most wanted to see that you thought you might get to see before you die? Like if you had to say there, if I could, you know, the the wrestling footed me, genie granted me one wish. Uh, what would I wish for? Would it have been Last Battle of Atlanta before you saw Last Battle of Atlanta? It's, if it wasn't number one, it's right there. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, the the one match that we always heard about was the you know the whole Star David Triple um, A you know cage match in Los Angeles. That's one that that that's that's high up there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just all those guys doing like 
uh, FMW garbage spots in Conan. I I have a feeling the Star of David would disappoint more than the the, the last one of Atlanta. It's, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. But that's I mean, always I've been, seen that Conan Tijuana that, stuff. It's it was, that mythical. It's yeah. that mythical thing that you that you have. You know, that's the thing. You want to see is this really as good as they said it was, you know, or something like that. You want to be proven right or wrong, if, in, or you know, have them be proved right or wrong. But yeah, Last Man Atlanta definitely is. Uh, it's if it's like I said, it's not number one. It's right there. Absolutely. I'd love to see a more complete version of the uh, Bill Dundee, uh, Buddy Landell, Lawler, uh, man. Oh Cal yeah, tag. the what, the twenty twenty seven fall Texas Death match. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because we just got clips of that. I mean, the clips I mean, we've seen of that are incredible too. Yes, absolutely. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Last Battle was definitely up there. I mean, it was definitely like right there at number one at the time. Because it's, you know, my area. It's, you know, it's that the title. It's the two guys who became like the two guys that were known the most for, you know, wrestling on TBS in the 80s. So, I mean, it, it, it had all the right things going for it to make that into the match, you know. That you thought it would be. And I loved the match. You know, um, yeah, the finish was abrupt, but I mean, you got both guys just bleeding like motherfuckers. And I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, it, it, I, I, I went in, I went in expecting the match to be really good, and it was really good. So I, I was not disappointed at all, personally. I, Tommy Rich I, is the. Arguably the best bleeder in wrestling history. I'm going to make a hyperbolic claim. It's my podcast. We do that. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely. He's definitely either one or two. Absolutely. I mean, the blonde hair adds so much to it as well. And the, the craziest thing about it, which I don't even understand how the physics of it work. Abdul, is Tommy Rickles up there too, though? Abdullah's up there too. Sure, Abdullah. I think Dusty is, Dusty, is up there. Dusty, I mean, there's yeah. plenty, of, plenty of great ones. But I think the thing about Rich was, the most amazing thing about Rich was how good he was at going from I'm not bleeding at all till I'm, I'm bleeding to death. Like yeah. he goes, he's got the fat, it's like the like a first step in a, of like a wide receiver in football, right? Like it's, yeah. He's got the fastest first step in blood, bleeding. It's like all of a sudden, like it, Tommy's not bleeding. And this match is a is a great example. He's not bleeding till he's like looked like he took a catch up shower, and it's like immediate. <laughs> and he's wearing white tights too. That yeah. also helps out. I mean, and obviously the blonde, the the, the uh, like uh, the like platinum blonde hair. It's such a good visual. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you really want to see if you really want to see Tommy bleed. And who doesn't really want to see Tommy bleed? I mean, it, it, maybe the the classic. There's two classic ones that come to mind. Uh, that's the uh, breakup of the new Fabs with Eddie Gilbert, that angle on television, and then the angle that two years later, both these in Memphis. The angle two uh, two years later in Memphis, where Dirty Roads and Don Bass, you know, used the 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 keys and and all, and all kind of shit oh, to really. God, oh, yeah. oh God, they fucked him up so bad. I mean, he was just gushing blood on, yes, on that, television. That Dirty Roads Don Bass one. It was like, my goodness. <laughs> uh, big uh, big Dirty Roads and Don Bass fan. 
Uh, I love those guys. Lawler's shirt was covered in Tommy Rich's blood yeah. as he tried to uh, take him out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just, wow. You know, I mean, Tommy, and I've seen Tommy Rich, you know, do that at shows, you know, just, just gash himself. And, hey, I mean, he knew what his calling card was. He knew what he needed to do. He didn't just do that willy-nilly. I mean, every time he bled, it meant something to the match. It wasn't just, or angle. It wasn't just, he wasn't bleeding to bleed. It, it meant something. So, right. that's the I think a flare in some ways you would bleed to bleed a yes, little bit. absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a heel thing to do, you know, in a way. Uh, heels would do that. Baby faces, when they're bleeding, I mean, that's it. That need, they need to have the purpose for it, I think. Uh, that's a good point. I, I like that as a... Analogy. So we're talking a little about him. So you went to all of, you know, so many shows. You've been to tons of live wrestling over your life. Here's a sort of an aside, because we're talking about this being this hidden uh, gem that shows up. What's the best match that you've seen live which does not exist on tape? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... Because for me as a kid, the most of the shows are like... Okay, I'll tell you a match that I don't rem- I, I remember it I remember watching it I remember it being really really good but I think a match that has the, the, uh, kind of the hidden gem portion more than any other match is and, and this is one of Rob this is one of Rob Naylor's all timers um, Fabulous Freebirds Gordy Hayes and Roberts against Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, and Ric Flair at the Omni during the whole UWF Crockett thing, where they only did that once, and it was at the Omni, June 6, 87. So the month before the first War Games, they do the Freebirds Horsemen uh, one time deal at the Omni. Oh my God. And Proud Heat was fucking nuts. I mean, it was insane because the Freebirds were fucking gods in Atlanta. June 7th, not June the 6th. And that wasn't even the main event of the show. That's the thing, too. But only drew 7,000 fans, so it didn't pat the Omni out. But the fans that were there were just like, oh my... It was totally not Arn, too. Arn uh, was somewhere else working. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, you want to talk about a fucking match. The main event that night was Nikita and Murdoch in a cage. But, uh, Which I imagine also was probably pretty good. Yeah. And Wyndham and Big Bubba uh, was on that show too. Cherry Chiller, Chris Adams, but um, but yeah, I mean that's one that I I mean just the dynamics of the match and the Freebirds being just you know fucking king shit in Atlanta because they, I mean they had worked the Watts on the show but they hadn't worked a quote unquote true Omni show as a trio since eighty one. Because Buddy wasn't there when Gordy and Hayes reunited in 82. And then Hayes came back and worked some shots here and there in 85 for Crockett. But this is the first time since 81 that they had been there as a trio with the Omni. And it's just like, oh my God. You know, because the fans uh, always remember the Freebirds. I mean, like I said, they were like what Ric Flair was in the Carolinas is what the Freebirds were in Georgia in that time period. And uh, 
yeah, that's that's definitely one that uh, comes to mind. Because um, I don't, I was thinking what my answer to that question was, but I, you know, most of the shows I went to as a kid were like WWF house shows, and you know, I was yeah. like, it's not like a, oh man, if I could ever only see that, you know. King Kong Bundy, John Studd versus Andre George <laughs> Steele tag. I saw it at the old guy. Who gives a shit, right? Um, and then you know, obviously, I went to. A, I've been to a ton of shows as like a young ad- adult and, and as a teenager. But most of those were, you know, there's footage of them, right? I don't know how but, many. Okay, well, here's another one. Here's another one that was shown on television in clip form, but not the full match. Liger Pillman Christmas Night '91 at the Omni. And that's, that's not the-, the handheld, right? There's no handheld of that. No, no handheld, but that was when they showed clips of on television. So, I mean, it was it was done in that form, but, you know, shown clip-wise on TV. That's an amazing match. One, I mean, one of the absolute best matches I've ever seen in my life. Live. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, Super, if those that remember the Super Bowl 2 match, way better than that. Yeah, I rewatched the Super Bowl 2 match for a while ago and didn't, didn't, didn't do a ton for me, so I would be interested to see what those guys did. Obviously, like love, love both those wrestlers. Um, but yes, yeah. Th- th- I mean, th- th- that's that's another one. I mean, yeah. And there's been other matches too. Um, the Santo Parka match that we saw together in Atlanta. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, uh, th- yeah. That's there. There's a super clipped version of that, but not anything but cl- it, complete. It, it, it will air on Japanese television, right? Complete. If I'm not mistaken. No, no, the Japanese television version is super clutch. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Like he gets six minutes or something like that. I don't there's Oh okay. I thought it might be complete. But yeah, that that was a hell of a night. You know, I mean we we were there, Tom was with Tom K was with us, West Hatch. I mean, that was that was quite the experience. And yeah, those guys went full force hardcore that night too, and the fans were amazing. That was at uh, Gwinnett Arena at the time. They didn't change the name of it now. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a hell of an experience to go to that lucha show, man. I mean, man, that that, that just period of Juster running uh, running lucha shows in Atlanta. I don't know why he stopped doing them because they seemed like they drew, you know, a shit ton of people. They, I mean, I remember the, you know, it seemed like they were huge successes, but he only did it like a handful. Yeah, we of had times. it was like six, seven thousand people there at that, at that time, and and the only uh, promotion they had was the Mexican newspapers, Mexican radio, and TV. That's it. That's it. Other than what we knew online, but as far as local promotion, that's all they had. They still drew like six, seven thousand people in that building. They configured it, you know, the to make the have it full on that side because it wasn't the full house. But I mean, yeah, that was just that was an amazing, amazing show, absolutely, and yeah, stuff like that. And there's other matches too that I saw, you know, on uh, indie shows for Peach State Wrestling. You know, being the Masters Group in Cordial. Um, there's a. Uh, Rob Van Dam Raven ladder match from a high school football stadium that was really fucking good. And Tuco Scorpio and Billy Black had a had a great match. Uh, I mean, there, so there were great matches on those shows that would probably never see the light of day unless I can somehow get a hold of the tapes. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of great wrestling over the years. Absolutely, I was blessed to live in, where I lived at, where I was in the middle of everything. I had Macon. In, in Cordial to myself, had Augusta to the east, had Columbus to the west, had Atlanta and, and all those towns up north. So I was in, you know, a central centralized area for all this great wrestling. And of course, you know, WCW ran so many shows in the area. Of course, Savannah to the east as well. So it, if, you know, 
when the shows were around and, I, and there was an opportunity to go, then, yeah, we, we were going. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Buzz Sawyer and your memories yes. of him as a wrestler. Talk a lot about Tommy Rich. Um, so he's the guy who had this sort of brief supernova career where maybe, what, five years where he was the top act? Um, late, late 81, late 81 is when he comes into Georgia and, uh, I'd go less than five, uh, 84, I'd say barely three years in Georgia. And then he had a a little bit of a run, a pretty big run in mid South. Right. But that wasn't long either. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean that, that was his last great American run because world class, he was pushed with Matt Bourne. And 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 that stuff, and they you know they did good, but yeah, working for Watts with Dick Slater, and yeah, they they had they had a great run, and Buzz had a, also a few with Hacksaw Jim yeah, Doug, those matches were great, amazing few with Doug, um, and other and other great matches too, but yeah, the Doug and feud, you talk about blood there, my God, I mean they they bled buckets everywhere, and yeah, the dog collar matches by is is also in between uh, Buzz and. Duggan is also in my book. Yeah, and and the, and the thing is with those matches, you know, you 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 try to compare them with Tommy Rich. Duggan is a that different type of wrestler than Tommy Rich was. Duggan was that hardcore brawler type, and him and Buzz would have that type of deal. You know, uh, a, a better dynamic of working that type of match than Buzz and Tommy. Would. Right. That's kind of what I was hoping this was going to be, um, and it, it sort of had to adjust my. Uh, uh, thoughts on it when you actually saw it like i figured this will be i've seen buzz duggan this will be buzz duggan uh but you know in a different context but you're right it's a very differently worked match than that and um because i think tommy you know in the late 80s you know like his memphis run he was much more of like a you know forward facing intense brawler right the lawler stuff um is kind of very much like toe-to-toe brawling in a way this wasn't yeah, I mean, I mean, and and that's the thing. I I hate I, I hate to try to compare things because it's like comparing um, it's like comparing uh, you know uh, movies and stuff where some actors are in this type of movie and then they're in another type of movie with other actors and it's not the same thing. I mean, it's just different, you know. It, I mean. The, the guys are different. Whether Buzz is working Tommy Rich or Buzz is working Duggan or Buzz is working Butch Reed or whatever. I mean, these are all different opponents, different guys. You know, it's not like Flair, you know, when Flair got into the formula era of Flair, where Flair is working the same match with every guy. So there's that. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's just different. All right. Well, Chris, let's uh, let give, go ahead and plug your podcast empire here for us all right all right uh between the sheets at uh, between the sheets pod.com uh that takes you to the feed and um all of the weekly between the sheet shows are there so everybody go to that drops every monday where we'll have a new show every week so we have that um and other that show shows- is you go through the observer from that week and sort of talk about all of the wrestling that was happening in the world. Well, the Observer Torch, uh, all the other stuff, you know, if it's uh, Matt Watch or 
you know, whatever we have from that time period. Um, you know, we we talk about that. We play clips, and Phil's been a guest a few times on there. So, yeah, we have a lot of great guests, and we're on uh, as we record this, we're recording show three twenty one, so three hundred twenty one shows. Wow, yeah, so not short shows. No, not Th- short shows. Thousands of hours of a th- over a thousand hours of audio, I would imagine. Uh, between uh, yeah. that and your other stuff. Yeah, Exile on Bash Street, of course, that's the show that I, I started my own before Between the Sheets. Um, right now, we're mainly doing the series on NWA Wildside with uh, Dan the Dragon Wilson and Jeff G. Bailey. Friends of the uh, of the Way of the Blade podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. Jeff G. Bailey did the Dragon Wilson. Uh, so. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're talking about... Uh, as we're recording this, our next show will be discussing August to September 2001 Wildside, a great period in the history of Wildside. So we'll have that up. And then I do a monthly, basically, series. Sometimes we may get two in a month. With, uh, cover to Cover with Rob Naylor, where we go through old wrestling magazines and just talk about all the stuff in the magazine for that particular magazine. And uh, those are really fun, loose shows, kind of like this. You know, where we don't have that, we don't have a script or no shit like that. We're just talking. So, uh, always like doing those type of shows. So, uh, so yeah, that's the main stuff I do. Of course, I have other, you know, side things I'll do here and there on occasion. So, yeah, that's the uh, podcast deal there. So, um, but yeah, certainly, I if do- you've enjoyed listening to Chris on this, you could listen to Chris for seven to ten hours a week with all those things <laughs> you cover all your commutes listen to Chris talk about wrestling for sure um, well yeah. thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me my friend uh, this was a blast I love talking about uh, you know 80's territorial wrestling is uh, you know near and dear to my heart as I know it is to yours and yeah yeah my, my you know I've always loved it but I, I've taken a you know a hiatus on watching current wrestling I mean, I'll, I'll watch clips and dip, stuff of like that here and there. I'm basically cataloging everything I have uh, as far as DVDs goes, so I know everything I got on my DVDs. And so I've been basically all I've been watching is 70s, 80s, and 90s wrestling lately. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's always fantastic to watch. And anytime you watch stuff, you, you still, you, no matter how many times you watch it, you always see new things and catch things you may not have caught before. So. Yeah, I just I just love it. It was it's a, the greatest time in wrestling history, and um, I'm glad that we're able to document it, you know, in podcast form with all the different podcasts that we do. You know, like you do, I do, and other people do. It's just it's fantastic that we're able to do that now. All right. Well, we will be back again next week with another episode of Wave of Blade. Chris, thank you again. Uh, have a good one. Appreciate it.